your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the very first Locked On Blues podcast of 2022. Got a lot to talk about today. I'm Josh Hyman. And I'm Thomas Welch. And we got a big episode for you guys today. Like I said, first episode of 2022 and the Blues wrapped up 2021 or began 2022, I should say, with a bang with a huge 6-4 victory in the Winter Classic. Uh, lots of storylines there to talk about. Record-breaking night from Jordan Cairo. Uh, and overall, just a great win for the team. So we're going to be getting into that, talking about James Neal getting waved, talking about the Blues, you know, potentially knock on wood, getting back to a fully healthy lineup for only the second time this season. Uh, could be Chen's seeing that soon. Mm-hmm. Don't want to jinx anything yet, but yeah, action-packed episode today. Lots to get into. I'm excited. I know Tommy's excited. Uh, but first, I want to thank anyone and everyone out there who is making us your first listen. We like to try to make these short, bite-sized episodes, you know, 20 minutes. That way, your morning commute to school, work, breakfast, whatever it may be, you can throw an episode on, catch up on everything you missed with your St. Louis Blues. But without further ado, Tommy, let's talk about the Winter Classic. First of all, before we get into the game, I want to talk about all the pregame stuff because there's, there's lots to get into there, starting with... Uh, the St. Louis Blues getting off the team bus wearing Hawaiian shirts and khaki shorts. And that was just, that made me laugh. Yeah, it's a mental mindset, right? I think you kind of, you can kind of take a look at the NFL uh, and the snow games that they have. And they got their big linemen warming up in like tank tops and it's 10 degrees outside, right? At some point, you got to get acclimated to the weather. And the Blues said, hey, let's do it earlier rather than later and let's do it fashionably. And Bennington, I think, said he was thinking about doing lumberjacks and then last minute they said, hey, everyone's talking about how cold it is. Let's do beachwear. Uh, and Bennington himself with the Versace shirt and the stunner shades just looked absolutely amazing. Some of the fits that were pulled off, I mean, they make you want to see this team without a dress code, right? Or even with a dress code, I feel like we got some fashionable guys on the blues. Kairu, uh wearing the Miami Vice outfit looked absolutely oh, yeah. amazing. Brandon Saad was wearing the chubbies, I think, letting his quads pop. I mean, these guys know, I mean, they got the money and they got the sense of style. So I feel like, and the Bruins, I think, a couple of years ago did like the 90s theme too. So I wish, I wish more than anything, I wish more than anything that hockey as a whole would accept that as a day-to-day thing and not like a, oh, let's do this once a year as a special little like, hey, this is cool because it's it's awesome and it's electric every single time. So why not just do it every single time? Yeah, definitely. And like you said, you know, it's 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 electric. Um, It was making its rounds all over social media. It wasn't just Blues fans that were talking about it. It was getting a lot of attention on Twitter and stuff. Um, Came in with a with a big confident entrance. Um, You know, and that was that was fun to see. You know, it almost made you forget how cold they were. I think it was Nico Mikola, the last guy that came off the bus, like audibly shivered, like, which was like the only little little indication that they had a had a bit of a crack in there in their uh mentality but no it was it was really fun to see it definitely gave you the indication that the guys were getting hyped up about the game and then you had jordan binnington posting like a his little highlight tape on instagram the night before just huge huge statement there you know because if he comes Hyping out and it gets, up dude it's like a promoter it's like ufc stuff you're like promoting yeah, your fight he's promoting gotta be the confident big- the gotta big be hockey confident game. exactly that. and that was one of the big things that they talked about in like the post-game conference when they were talking to binnington they're like talking about the beachwear and all that stuff. He's like, yeah, it was cool. Like just something different that we wanted to do. But at the same time, like if you're going to go out and do something this bold that teams don't really do, 
you have to take care of business on the ice and you have to go out there and win because otherwise you just look like a donkey at the end of it. And fortunately for the St. Louis Blues, uh, they came prepared and they wiped the floor with the Minnesota Wild. The heartland of hockey took care handedly of the state of hockey. Got off to a bit of a slow start in that game for sure. First period, you could definitely tell the teams were feeling each other out. The Blues had played one game in their last 16 days and the Wild hadn't played any in their last 11 days, I believe. So you could definitely tell the beginning was sort of both teams were pretty passive. You know, like I said, sort of feeling each other out, uh, not taking a ton of risks. Um, First period ended one to one. uh, And at that point, I believe the question was posed on Twitter of whether or not we thought it was going to be a barn burner after that first period and you and I took pretty pretty opposite stances not to put you on the spot because I do think it brings up a good point that from the first period on it was a completely different you know style of hockey and like I definitely said like oh yeah I think this has a potential to be a barn burner just because you know it's so cold out the teams are rusty they didn't really show their hands too much in the first period and you were of the mentality of nah you know ice is bumpy pucks are flying around everywhere teams aren't going to be taking risks um and I think we saw, you know, early in the second period, the Blues kind of threw caution to the wind and and started, you know, like I said, taking those risks, making those cross ice passes, stretch passes. And at first, it definitely felt like it might have bite, might have bit them in the butt a little bit. Minnesota was getting chances back their way as well. But then the floodgates just opened um, for St. Louis. I'm not sure who scored the go ahead goal. It was probably Jordan Cairo, uh, just because he had so many friggin' points that period. But uh, we'll be talking about that a little bit more in the second segment. But that second period was an excellent display of hockey from the St. Louis Blues. Um, Jordan Cairo, like we said, you know, setting records coming into that game. There had been 33 or this was the 33rd outdoor game in NHL history. No player had put up more than three points. Jordan Cairo comes out and puts up four points in the second period alone. Took him one period to do it. Um, so we're going to be talking about him more in particular in the second period or in the second segment, I should say. Uh, but that second period was one of the best uh, 20 minute performances we've seen from the Blues all year. What do you see in that period, Tommy? Backtrack a little bit to the first period, like you were talking about. It did feel like the ice was, for whatever reason, maybe the fact that it was negative nine degrees or whatever it was, uh, was just very bumpy and the puck wasn't really sitting on players' sticks. It was bouncing over them left and right. And so uh, that's why I didn't think it was going to be a barn burn. I mean, you're 1-1 going into the second period uh, and it looks like, because the Blues and I feel like the Wild too are so offensively talented that they want to make those sexy like tic-tac-toe plays and the more you pass on crappy ice like that the more risk you have for error so that's why I didn't think it was going to be a high scoring game and like you said they come out in the second period and I thought actually instead of like the stretch passes and like doing those tic-tac-toe plays they just simplified and said hey right we get we get a guy in the slot and you've got a shot just take it because you don't want to make those too many passes and uh, run the risk of losing the puck and having it go the other way for the counter. And I think they a lot of players did that, especially Jordan Kairou, Vladimir Tarasenko played a fantastic game. Ivan Barbashev, who I feel like we talked about on earlier episodes this season, is I feel like is one of the most underrated players on this team and the pillar of consistency. One of the most underrated players in the about. NHL. I saw that that tweet that you fired out. He's got more points than like some of the top superstars in the league. I mean, it obviously helps that he's playing on a line with Buchnevich and Tarasenko at times, and that that Russian chemistry is obviously there. But not to take anything away from Barbashev, because just because he was a fourth liner and like a, a bottom six guy for so long doesn't mean he's not capable of scoring the puck. It just means he was really good at banging bodies and grinding it out. And now we're seeing another side of him where he's putting pucks in the back of the net. So in my mind. Ivan Barbashev has rose up the ranks in his development to where I could potentially 
in the future see him even as high as a second lineman in the in the in the in the NHL. So I would not be surprised to see Ivan Barbashev solidify himself on the second line for the St. Louis Blues once kind of the core dissolves and we have like a mini rebuild and then Jordan Kyrie, Robert Thomas and uh, Buchnevich, those guys are the are the new face of the team. I could see Ivan Barbashev being up there for sure. Lost well, like of out of Ivan Barbashev's game, but of course we got to get into the man of the hour, the player of the week for the NHL, and that is Jordan Kyrou. So we're going to be talking all about him and his record-setting night against the Minnesota Wild. But first, I want to tell you guys about an OG sponsor, and that is built bar it is the new year so that means new year's resolutions and if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier make sure you include built bar in your plan built bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar maybe even better than a candy bar and built bar easy solution that tastes so good you'll want to eat it and like other protein bars can be chalky you'll wax your take a chemical spill you want to eat healthy but it just gets so boring the week three you might be thinking this is just not worth it where's the chocolate well i got good news for you built bars are covered in 100 percent real chocolate most built bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. You compare that to a normal candy bar, you're getting about 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car. Throw out all the sugary calorie-filled treats and replace them with built bars. So that way, whenever you're craving a snack or treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. And there's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie raspberry cookies and cream salted caramel mint brownie and so many more built is always coming out with new limited time flavors so make sure you're checking built.com often to see what's new go to built.com use promo code 50, uh use promo code locked 15 and get 15 off your order use promo code locked 15 for 15 off at built.com we'll be right back with the second segment All right, Tommy. So we've been talking about this player for a while, a couple seasons now, even before, you know, he was really making his mark on the NHL. Um, And now he is making rounds, getting his name out there, winning the first star of the week with seven points in his last two games, playing alongside Robert Thomas and Vladimir Tarasenko. That is Jordan Cairo broke the record for most points in an outdoor game ever with four, two goals and two assists in the second period continues to tear through the league. And I talked about how, you know, this this sort of reset was going to be a big opportunity for him as he slowed down after his really fast start last season. Um, I said, you know, he's going to be coming back after an injury, sort of second half of the season. It's going to be an opportunity for him to prove himself and show that he's going to continue to produce as the season goes along. Not only does he continue to produce, he has maybe his best two-game stretch of the season, putting up three points and then four points respectively. What did you like out of him in that game, and what do you think we can expect for him moving forward? Well, I like I like everything from Jordan Cairo, and especially it's pretty safe to fact, say. Well, here's the thing, and especially in this game, right? Because kind of what we talked about and why I picked uh, Tarasenko as my locked on player of the game is because I feel like when the lights are brightest is when superstars come out to play, right? And like it's the matinee game, it's like the playoffs, it's the winter classic, whatever it might be. Like when the eyes, when the most eyes are on them and they can feel it and they can feel that attention. Uh, is when they thrive the most. And at times, Vladimir Tarasenko's been that guy, as proven by his playoff stats. At times, Jordan Bennington's been that guy, as proven uh, by his playoff stats and that run he had in the Stanley Cup. It feels like Jordan Cairo is that guy for the St. Louis Blues right now. And hopefully, fingers crossed, 
that player moving forward. And I think his performance in the Winter Classic just solidified that, like you talked about, like everyone's talking about, literally made history the most points in a Winter Classic uh, in the history of the Winter Classic. But it's not just that. It's the fact that I feel like he is the most lethal player on the St. Louis Blues in the offensive zone with the puck and even without the puck, I feel like he's driving the offense and it's not driving the offense like Vladimir Tarasenko on the outside, dropping the shoulder, but it's driving the offense by keeping possession and making the smart play and connecting those passes and not fumbling the puck and winning those board battles and uh, making those dangerous passes and those difficult passes look easy and shooting the puck when he's in the slot and passing the puck when there's guys on him. It feels like every scenario where I see he's a threat He's making the correct play. And as much as I love Robert Thomas and what he brings to the table and that playmaking ability that he has, I feel like the knock on him for so long has been, hey, if you're in the slot and you're wide open, take the shot. And I feel like there's still some times where I'm like, Rob, just shoot the puck. Like, you have a good shot. We watched you in juniors. You scored scored more than you have in the NHL. And the more you shoot, the more you're going to get better at it. And I don't feel like Jordan Jordan Cairo has that problem at all. And for that reason, I feel like, we're witnessing uh, the revolution of Jordan Cairo and kind of the evolution of this core. Uh, and even with Robert Thomas's playmaking ability, I mean, Rob is also younger than Jordan Cairo. So Cairo has a little bit more development on Robert Thomas. So there's still time for him to figure it out, if you will. I mean, the dude's like third or fourth on the team in points and he's scored like three goals on the season. So that tells you anything of what Robert Thomas is capable of at the NHL and what this new core could potentially be capable of. And then you've got Vladimir Tarasenko on the same line as these guys, bringing them up, showing them the way, uh, looking like he's having the time of his life, which I talked about on the last episode without Josh is like, what are you going to do with Vladimir Tarasenko and the trade and all that stuff? Like you just hold him out till the end of his contract. It kind of feels like that's the way it's going right now. But all in all, I feel like this is the evolution of, kind of the old, like the changing of the guard, right? And the old core is aging, and I'm not saying they're bad, but the new guys are almost like flying right up there with them. And that balance spells success for the St. Louis Blues this season, and it spells success for the new core down the road in years to come. Yeah, yeah. I mean, going back to Jordan Cairo in particular, you know, the Blues have played two games since their um, return from the break. They've scored 10 goals in those two games, and Jordan Cairo has been a part of seven of those, which is a crazy high amount. Um, it's a C. It's mm-hmm. passing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 70%. there you go, 70%. Just um, get degrees, no, baby. <laughs> jokes aside, I mean, he's been the, the most important part of the Blues offense, you know, in those two games. Um, but, I mean, even in that Edmonton game, I sort of talked about a potential, you know, kind of a duel between him and McDavid. Obviously, you know, no one's in the same league as McDavid. But if there's anyone on the Blues that has a similar play style, to an extent, it's Jordan Cairo. You know, he uses his speed uh, and his stick handling ability to create space and create opportunities for his line mates. Um, and, you know, not to say that Cairo played better than McDavid in that game, but the Blues neutralized Connor McDavid decently in that game, you know, as about as much as you can. Uh, and then Jordan Cairo, three three points on four goals. So not to say that he won the duel against Connor McDavid, because I don't know if I can go that far, but he certainly showed that he can be the best player on the ice, even in a game with Connor McDavid in it. You know, not to say that he was that the whole time, but he he held his own. Um, he was a dominant player. And then, like you said, next game comes out, bright lights, one of the maybe the biggest um 
performance, you know, one of the biggest games of his career in terms of national attention. Um, and he comes out and, and puts on a show, you know, breaks records. Uh, you were mentioning how the, the uh, changing of the guard among the, the core of the St. Louis Blues. And one of the things that I think both of us were a little bit worried about coming into the season was that the veteran group of this team was going to sort of prevent some of the young guys from thriving uh, and going to leave guys in the AHL a little too long, especially, you know, Alex Scott Barunovich starting the year uh, in the AHL. We were a little worried about that. But Craig Ruby has shown that he is no longer as reluctant to let these young guys play. And we saw it. Um, just recently here with James Neal, you know, brought in as a veteran ringer for the St. Louis Blues, gets waived in order for Logan Brown, someone who I don't think any of us can say we're anticipating earning a roster spot this season. He's looked um, fantastic. Has too. looked fantastic and has played his way into a spot. James Neal gets waived, says, you know, sorry, Logan Brown has earned this spot. So we're starting to see a little bit more respect put on some of the young players in this organization, not named Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, and you know, a few other guys. Um, so I'm excited to talk about that uh, and more uh, in the third segment. So don't go anywhere. All right, Tommy, it was recently announced that the Blues were sending James Neal through waivers. Um, he cleared waivers and has now been assigned to their AHL affiliate out there, out here in Springfield, Mass. So, you know, if he sticks around, maybe we'll have to go watch him play. Um but, you know, in a surprising uh, update, Logan Brown, a guy who wasn't on our radar, certainly, to begin the season, uh, has played his way into a roster spot in a very, very competitive forward group for the St. Louis Blues. What do you think uh, the Blues are going to miss with James Neal, but what do you think the Blues are going to gain with a guy like Logan Brown? You're going to gain youth, and that's kind of what we were talking about all offseason before we got Buchnevich inside uh, and before, I guess, we really fully realized what Robert Thomas was going to bring to the table this season and really what Jordan Cairo was going to bring to the table, because I think we expected Jordan Cairo to kind of take a step up, but I think he's blown past everybody's expectations, even after last season, seeing flashes of it. So I think at the end of the day, that's what you're looking at, right? It's like in, in correspondence with that change in the guard, you have to have a supporting cast. And for the Blues, it's difficult to build that supporting cast because they're consistently in the playoffs. So they're not relying on first round picks or of like, an, a four o, number four overall pick you're relying on uh first round pick number 20 first round pick number 26 and they're still consistently hitting on these guys which is fantastic but logan brown is one of those guys he was picked 11th overall i believe yep needed a change of scenery in ottawa so we said hey we'll take care of that fresh start hometown boy what better story could you ask for we've been down this road before with pat maroon so uh, to get him on this team son of Jeff Brown, who's living here, Blues alumni. I mean, it just spells success for the kid. And you want to give him every ample opportunity to prove himself in this league. And he honestly reminds me a lot of Tage Thompson, which I'm sure I'll get a lot of feedback for that one pigeonhole. Got his jersey in my closet. But he's massive. Dude's like 6'6". He's a big body, but he's a good skater. and He's got soft hands. He's got a pretty nice shot too, and I think I feel like that's the same scouting report you could give for Tage Thompson. So, for a guy like that to come into the league, and not only that, but the contract he's working with right now is a little bit better than Zach Sanford's. Uh, I'm just gonna say it. Um, and but he also has Sanford catching strays even when he's out of off our <laughs> I'm team. I'm sorry, I had to say it. We're, we're indirectly talking about the trade. He's got time on his side, right? And for the Blues, that's great because 
they're going to need him at a certain time when this next core comes around. So hopefully the more time he gets in the NHL, the more time he acclimates to it, the more chemistry he develops with these Blues players, uh, the further along in his development as an NHL player he'll be by the time this next core takes full reins of the St. Louis Blues. Like I said at the beginning of this segment, uh, Logan Brown is a guy that really wasn't even on our radar uh, to start the season, obviously, you know, we knew he was in the organization, but kind of figured he was just a throw in with the Zach Sanford trade, maybe would contribute a little bit as an extra forward. And all of a sudden here he comes, um, you know, and, and plays his way into a raw, uh, into a lineup spot, into very, very competitive forward group. Um, and that's kind of what you need. If you're going to have like a Stanley cup winning team, you look at the Tampa Bay lightning, you look at some of the guys that they've got putting up points, you know, last season, you're like, who? That was always the the joke with the Sidney Crosby Penguin teams too, is that they'd call some guy up from the AHL and he'd be like a point per game player, you know. So not saying like Logan Evan Brown's, Rodriguez, right? Exactly. Comes out of nowhere. Not saying Logan Brown's gonna be that guy, but to have guys that you know that absolutely blow past their expectations and produce beyond what you're expecting of them while they're on a lower salary cap is how you win Stanley Cups. It's how you create a winning culture. And that's what the Blues have right now. Not only do they have guys that are, you know, playing up to their capabilities and progressing nicely in the Jordan Kairos, the Robert Thomases, and then, you know, the veterans of the team. Um, you got a lot of guys this season that are playing above their expectations, like the Ivan Barbashevs, Logan Brown, uh, even, you know, a guy like Justin Falk has been really, really strong for the Blues this year as well. Even though, you know, we kind of expected that out of him, he has continued to uh, prove his worth with this team. You know, the defense figuring itself out kind of, sort of, in the last few weeks is a big part due to him. So a lot of guys stepping up to the plate this year. Um, and whenever you have a team where guys are, you know, all playing above their potentials, uh, it's going to be it's going to be a recipe for success. So let's go back and double down on the conversation of, uh, giving these gun these young guns an opportunity, right? So, uh, I believe there was an article from the Athletic that came out kind of towards the beginning of the season. I think we talked about it on this podcast before, but basically Robert Thomas at the end of last season sat down with Doug Armstrong and said, "Hey, like, not really happy with the playing time. I guess not really happy isn't the word I would use, but basically said like, hey, like if I'm playing really well, I don't want to be." essentially pigeonholed like Tage Thompson is talking about because I mean you look at the center position on this team you've got Braden Shen like Oscar Sundquist and like Ryan O'Reilly obviously there's a ton of guys that are veterans in the league and Robert Thomas was just concerned that he was just going to continually be buried down on the depth chart just because he's younger than them and regardless of his play and so Doug Armstrong essentially said if you play well you will get the playing time and we will raise you in the ranks and like put you on higher lines. And lo and behold, look at him right now. He's on the second line, which is arguably the best line on the entire team with Jordan Cairo and Vladimir Tarasenko. So that speaks to the front office and buying into that. Hey, we can win now while also preparing for the future. You talked about Logan Brown. We need to talk about Nico Mikola because that is the exact same thing that he's, he's been on the first pairing consistently for about a month now. And he hasn't missed a lining up with Colton Pareko and Justin Falk, Tori Krug doing their thing. We haven't talked about Marco Scandella in forever. So that's always a good thing as well. I mean, I said it on the solo episode I did, but if you're a Blues fan, your number one concern right now is defense, right? Like that is the one hole in this roster that you'd be like, come trade deadline, like that's what we should be going for and get one piece and make the Stanley Cup run. But what I'm saying is if Nico Mikola can prove himself to be that missing piece in the defense that 
kind of solidifies everything. You don't have to move anybody at the trade deadline. That is huge for this team, and that is huge for their success going through the Stanley Cup playoffs. But that's also huge for Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube, where I feel like with the Blues, they've always been dependent on their veterans. And everyone always talked about, like, oh, their veteran core is amazing and all these things. But to put so much faith in these young guys and these guys that haven't really had a footprint in the NHL yet to give them this amount of playing time based off of a small sample size and give them the opportunity to excel in pretty substantial games uh, is, I think it speaks dividends to what this Blues organization, not just the team, is built on. Those morals are going to be tested this week with two pretty significant Eastern Conference matchups against the Pittsburgh Penguins and Washington Capitals. You know, anytime you play a team from the other conference, it's going to be a little bit tougher. You know, you don't have as much film on them. You don't play them as much. Um, it's a little bit more just, you know, playing playing to your strengths and, and hoping that you can will the opponent less you know, game planning and matchups and all that. So definitely going to be a big test for the Blues, you know, coming out of the Winter Classic. Hopefully they can re- ride that momentum. But that being said, we're going to have all coverage for those games and more for you here on the Locked on Blues podcast. I'm going to make a last second prediction. A little buzzer beater, okay? Emmy. So we just saw Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas light it up in the Winter Classic and the game before that yes, light it up against Connor McDavid, who by all accounts, is probably one of their role models when it comes to hockey because of the Canadian effect there and all of those things. So they're coming up games against Sidney Crosby and another game against Alexander Ovechkin, who are both Hall of Famers. So I'm going to come out, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that they continue their success and both of them have multi-point games these Ooh, next two games. I like that. I, I see no reason to disagree there especially with their with their hot play as of late. And, you know, if we see a, a fully healthy forward core too, don't want to get too ahead of myself. Um, could be could be real exciting. But like I said, big tests, you know, Eastern Conference matchups, not playing for division divisional standings or anything like that. Just try to get get some points and, you know, get this restart uh, going as, as well as possible. Continue to hopefully put together a little win streak that they've got going. So like I said, we're going to have that all covered for you here. On the Lockdown Blues podcast, so make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube as well. We're getting so close to 100 subscribers. Um, and hit that notification bell as well. That way, as soon as our episodes go live, you can watch, comment, all that fun stuff and more. You know, we like to look at the comments pretty early after the videos go up. So definitely, definitely do that. You can follow us on all of our socials, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook at Lockdown Blues. You can follow me on Twitter. Oh, look at that beautiful point at Josh Hammond NHL. You can follow Tommy over there at P Welcher 15. Yeah, there you go. Look at that two for two. (laughs) As I said, thank you everyone so much for listening. Happy new year. And as always, let's go blues.